Welcome to the Becoming Whole podcast. I am your host, Karima Eames, a holistic therapist, author, and passionate seeker of truth. For the past 34 years, I've been working with people on inner transformation. I've taken my learnings and written a new book, Becoming Whole, The Art of Inner Transformation. This book is packed with tried and tested tools and stories. And now in this podcast, we'll explore real-life client examples and how they have applied these tools to transform their lives. Come and join me if you would like to learn how to transform your life too. My guest today is Kylie. Kylie has had a lifelong passion for healing and science. After completing studies in biochemistry and chemistry, she was led to explore Eastern approaches to healing, including yoga and meditation, Taoism, Shiatsu, and Chinese medicine. She's a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, and teacher trainer with special interests in women's health and trauma recovery. Hello, Kylie. Hello. I'm really excited to have you here. I'm very excited to be here. I love chatting with you anytime. So. And I know you will have lots of insights to share. And what I told you before with you, I want to talk specifically more about the heart. Because for me, I think I've known you nearly for 20 years. And you are for me one of those people that embody an open heart. And so when we get to the heart question, we'll go a little deeper there. I'd love to talk about the heart. <laughs> I know you do. Now, the first question is, can you say why you're interested in doing inner work? Um, I think my interest with inner work is it's just, I guess, over at first I was wanting to understand myself and understand um, healing and understand a more sort of spiritual, emotional, psychological part of myself. Um, and over the years, um, you know, what I've discovered in the inner, through the inner work of the inner world is just infinitely um, magical, I think. And so now my interest in, in the inner work is it's an essential part of being human, I think. And it helps me to, uh, I guess, you know, feel more authentic within myself, but also it's the resources in the inner world that I find through the inner work that helped me live my life outwardly as well. And I think your angle is interesting because you do come more from science mm. and you've joined science and the inner in your own unique way. Mm. And I find that very fascinating. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's where from my initial training in science, discovering you know, learning about quantum physics and quantum theory and, and looking at what happens at a chemical atom, uh, level of the atom and energy, that's what led me to think, oh, okay, so everything's energy and the inner world and the outer world sort of end up being one world really. But that inner world discovery um, is... Yeah, just looking at the energy from more of an uh, an experiential perspective, I think, as opposed to a theoretical perspective of the mind, which makes it more rich and interesting as well. Yeah, and that's an interesting point. The experience or the experiential part is so big in the work that I do and why I love it so much, and we'll get into lots of details mm. about that. And it's very different to just reading about something or having a theory or truly experiencing mm. it and knowing it, which is what happens through doing this work. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about a few more details. Are there any important okay. moments of doing your inner work that are standing out for you right this moment? Um, important moments. Um, I've just had so many to be honest but I will I will think of I will share some but I, I guess you know I want to sort of preface this with I actually was 21 it's actually like about two and a half decades that I've been doing work with you um and I was 21 at when I first met you I think um and so in a sense I feel like the work that I've done with you and still do with you has really guided me through my whole adult life and 
So, you know, some of the really key um, important moments, I think, you know, really did happen at the beginning. So discovering, um, you know, really the, the masculine and the feminine aspects of myself and um, also just the ability of the heart, not just the capacity of the heart to to love and hold space and compassion, but the ability of the heart to see and to um, to read. So from that energy reading perspective and, and reading through the heart centre um, was really profound for me in the sense that um, just what that opened up for me in my life and in healing and my yoga teaching and my own yoga journey um, was this ability to see through the heart, which is a place of non-judgment um, and, and acceptance. And I think that was really profound as well. So, and then the third thing I think that really sticks out for me that still carries me in my life is the women's work that I did with you and understanding, um, well, you, the map that I, I learned from you is understanding our shadow layer, our gifts and our talents, essential nature, and just the mask as well. So, I, could, I couldn't really just pinpoint one important moment, but they're, they're the three things that really, really um, have stood out for me. Beautiful. So I just want to, for the listener, clarify when we say reading from the heart, we mm. are not putting glasses on the chest and read from there like a book. No. We're actually <laughs> reading energy. And yeah. Kylie has done in the early days an energy reading training with me where we learn to perceive somebody else where you can actually see them, feel them, and that's called reading somebody else. And that's mm -hmm. what we are meaning or talking about when we say reading somebody. Mm -hmm. Now, let's go into a little more details, nitty-gritty of what you've learned. Mm -hmm. So what is the role of the mind in inner transformation? Has your mind become a friend? My mind has definitely become a friend and I think when I first started this work one of the things that I was desperate to find because I had you know studied science so I, I was so in my head and um, really kind of led by my mind and that was quite exhausting a lot of the time I was very analytical wanted to understand um And, you know, I would literally kind of walk around and see formulas and everything <laughs> like that when I looked around living my days. <laughs> so to discover, um, just to, to gain insight that the mind is just an aspect of myself and it's not my whole self um, was, was quite big. And to be able to go into other, other um, aspects of myself, like the heart and my emotions and my spiritual self as well, so, but what I learned from that is that, that you do need to get the mind on board and you do need to make friends with the mind. And um, so now being able to give my mind, well, which you've often helped me with sharing maps for the mind so the mind can understand the journey and understand what's happening, maybe reframe things um, for the mind, that's vital to be able to get beyond the mind and into the deeper realms of myself I think that's so beautiful definitely made saying. friends with the mind yeah I just want to highlight yeah. what you said like yeah. maps are so crucial like when mm. the mind has a map for the inner world it really starts cooperating and yeah that's why I love maps and I always said I'm also deep down a scientist even if I never studied science mm. but mm. I've approached the inner world was a lot of, was a very scientific angle. And so I love maps, as you know. And so thanks yeah. for mentioning maps because that is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And those maps, um, you know, and, and you still give me more maps, I know, but, the, you know, the maps that I've learned along the way, can, you know, continue to, to help my mind with different challenges, um, but also in terms of, being a yoga teacher and a therapist myself, those maps are really handy to, to help 
explain things to, to, to my clients as well. Yeah. yeah. Now, the next part, why is it connecting, why is connecting with the physical body important? Um, for me, the connecting to the physical body is, is you know, where, where I experience life. Um, and I guess, again, this was one of the sort of beautiful things that I got to understand more through the yoga journey and my journey with you which is all the same journey um that coming out of just a cognitive space um and being able to experience what's happening in my body um actually gives me a much richer experience of life I think but it's also um learning to listen to the deeper parts of me the, the body is experiencing what's happening um and by listening to those um feelings and experiences on the level of the body it helps me to get more in touch with my truth I think as well because I think the mind sometimes is not always seeing things clearly but the body is it can't lie or it can't hide things so much um, or mask things so much so yeah I think it's that embodiment again of my experience of myself and, and I get that through the body, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, one of the big things is that the body, you know, that, that kind of the body doesn't lie. So getting exactly. in touch with the experiences in the body. Yeah, the body doesn't yeah. lie. If it has symptoms, it wants to tell us something. And you're working yeah. in yoga as yoga therapist, mm. yoga teacher, And yoga is such a body-based tradition. Mm. And, yeah, I love yoga. Mm. So do I. <laughs> Now, let's get to the fun part, your big mm -hmm. area of experience and expertise. <laughs> How would you describe the importance of the heart for transformation? I think, again, one of the... The biggest things I sort of learnt in the early days with you was that the heart is a is a place of acceptance. It's compassionate. It's patient. So the qualities that that are inherent in the heart, um, not only are they beautiful experiences and and things to experience in on a daily basis, but in terms of doing. Um, inner work and, and growth and facing challenges in my own life, um, being able to come back into the energy of the heart of acceptance, compassion um, and unconditional love help has helped and helps me to go and do deeper work as well. The things that might not be so comfortable for the mind um, and comfortable in the body even, but the heart is unwavering in its um, acceptance and unconditional love. And the power of that energy uh, or that space to sit in is, um, I think, vital for doing deeper work and making friends with other aspects and facing challenges in life as well. So I think it's key. I think it's key to healing. And I think in terms of spiritual growth as well, um, the heart, de developing compassion and unconditional love, I think, is is a, is a, a rewarding way to live life, but it also um, it's a humbling way to live life mm, as well. I agree. You mentioned one quality amongst the few. You mentioned patience. Mm. And... Mm from my experience, to discover how patient the heart really is, the truth of the heart, was very new to me with a very efficient, racing, impatient German mind that I came into the work <laughs> with. So can you talk a little bit more about the patience of the heart from your own experience? Yeah, I think the patience of the heart, the patience, that the heart has the capacity for. It, it's, again, it's not even a capacity. It's just a quality of the heart energy. And 
with that, there's never any pushing or pulling or, um, you know, a, a need to make things go faster than they're ready to go. So in terms of healing as well, so as a yoga therapist and a, um, a healer as well, I think the capacity to be coming from that or sitting or embodying that heart space when I'm in those those healing moments, um, it, it allows for the journey to take its time and um, and within that, I remember, you know, again, with this early on working with you, just developing a trust that the heart, the time, that when you're in the heart space, the timing of healing or the timing of anything is always perfect. And there's no need to hurry things along there. Um, and that patience is just such a gentle caring, loving, unconditional energy that patience is. And I think, you know, generally in the West, we just, it's not necessarily a cultivated... Um, Definitely not when I grew up. <laughs> tribute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, look, I think my upbringing, certainly my, my mother and my grandmother and my father were very patient um, people. So I think I definitely, um, my mind was probably, uh, I don't struggle with that quality so much, but to learn to be able to really um, trust that as a, as a quality, in, especially in, in being a therapist, I think it's, it's reassuring to sort of sit in the heart, feel that sense of patience and just let things unfold. One of my favorite words for that is allowing. Allowing, yeah. 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 Not pushing, yeah. not getting not pushing. the result quickly. Yeah. And, and it's something that like in all the groups that I did with you, but also my own like one-on-one sessions. But again, in the early days, I just used to marvel at your patience with working with people in groups and I mean, I used to sort of say to people, like, but doing groups with you, I didn't just love it for myself, but I used to love just watching you work because I used to find it phenomenal, the patience that you would have with people working through their things but also letting their journey unfold in the best way for them and just the patience and, and the unconditional love that you had for anything that came up in a group. Always, um, always, I was in awe of. Thank you for that. And that was at that time I had learned to open my heart. Mm. And the heart is incredibly patient. Mm. And it's normal from when we're in the heart space to really trust whatever unfolds. You just don't push. Now, the next big area of learning for all of us is learning to feel, what I call the art of feeling. Mm -hmm. Give us a little bit of a summary or some moments of your learnings around the art of feeling. Well, to begin with, I think, you know, again, it was quite um, a paradigm shift almost to move from thinking about what I was feeling to feeling what I was feeling and um, allowing the experience of feeling to be as it, as it is um, as opposed to what I thought it should be or shouldn't be. Um, and in feeling the feeling is where I think um, the magic of transformation is also experienced. So I think, you know, with feelings, what you resist persists and the more you resist and persist and the more the mind can also make stories around it. Um, and being able to drop in, uh, to, to, to trust, trust more the feelings that I might be experiencing 
the way I kind of think of it is it's like you kind of drop through the feelings into essential nature, I guess, um, but into some rewards is how it, it feels. So maybe more uncomfortable feelings, um, scary feelings that the mind might label as uncomfortable and scary, but in, in, in being able to just feel them, and that's where I guess the heart space comes, the heart comes in as well, can sit in the heart and feel the feelings, then acceptance and compassion and allowing, like you said, and patience um, allows for the experience of, of feeling the feelings and dropping through into all kinds of gifts and, yeah, it sort of feels like rewards. And after doing that enough times, my mind understands now that if you if you if you drop through if you feel it there's rewards on the other side there's more love there's more peace there's more there's more good stuff no matter how scary the feeling might look from you uh, before you drop in yeah can you explain to the listener a bit more what it actually means to experientially feel a feeling directly and through the body because for some people that might still be new yeah um i guess the best way to explain it for me for what's coming to me right now is you know again the breath the breath is a beautiful tool too so breathing into the feeling and trying to identify the feeling within the body or where i'm feeling sensations um, the breath can really help as a bridge, I think, into those into the body, um, and then feel just sitting with the experience of those sensations um, wherever I might be experiencing them, um, and with sitting with it, it might end up getting images or colours, or again focusing on certain parts of the body. Um, maybe words that inner world, again, this was quite um, a revelation when I first discovered it with you, is it's got all the senses in there as well. So the visual sense, the auditory sense, the et cetera, et cetera. So in experiencing that feeling self or the feeling experiences, um, it can be rich with different uh, colours, um, maybe even memories might come. So, again, the heart, again, the importance of the heart to be able to have that space of acceptance, allowing, um, trusting in the timing, patience to let the experience of the feeling uh, meet it fully, allow whatever it experiences, whatever the experience is on all those different levels. And it is like the analogy that's often used, that sense of a cloud, like it all just kind of move through, come and go, like, like we find the thoughts as well, but the feelings as well um, will arise and, and disappear if we, let, if we let them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you agree that every emotion from your experience has a different, unique energy, like anger, for example, compared to pain or joy? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where, you know, tuning into the, the sensations of the feeling as opposed to necessarily having to label it, although sometimes labeling it can be helpful. I think tuning into the sensations of it is where you might get a feeling of expansion, a feeling of, you know, pink, a feeling of uh, an experience of red or, or black. And, and so, yeah, I think the inner experience um, is so rich on all those different sensory levels and, um, yeah, again, the gifts and the qualities that we kind of regain or reclaim or uh, embody more. 
from from being able to sit with those feelings is quite incredible. Yeah, and that has to be experienced to be known. Like mm. if you just hear that as a theory, it doesn't make sense, but to fully experience any difficult emotion and like you're describing it, feeling it, looking at it, allowing it to move, and then you get to the gift, the reward on the other side is mm. mind-blowing for most people in the beginning. And then mm. when it becomes normal, you just know that's how it works. Any emotion transforms yeah. into something positive. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's where, you know, Dr. Candace Pert's work on the molecules of emotion, I think, um, I mean, you know, if if when I finished my biochemistry, I knew what I knew now, I might have kept going with biochemistry <laughs> and tried to work out what are the molecules of all these different <laughs> ranges of experiences that we have because she that's what she sort of uh, discovered with her work on the molecules of emotion that if we if we let the feelings come and go, those molecules do their thing and transform into something else. If we don't, they kind of get stuck or or that pattern of those molecules staying in our body, um, you know, create different responses in the cells. So um, that's how I picture it as well, like letting those molecules run their course just like any other drug running through our body, yeah. Yeah, that's a great image. What I love also in the last five to ten years, how much science is now backing the experience we often had in the early days, like 40 years ago, when we felt this is working and, and energy transforms, but there was no science yet. And so I'm thrilled yeah. that the science is backing all mm -hmm. of this up more and more. Absolutely. And even the heart. The heart stuff, the Heart Math Institute yeah. work, seems to be starting to understand all those beautiful qualities of the the heart, the reading through the heart and stuff. Yeah, I love mm. their research. Like I think I remember at some point I read they are uh, checking the brain when someone meditates ten or fifteen minutes. The changes in the brain in that short amount of heart meditation. Mm. I was like, yes, I know that is yes. true, but now thanks for proving it officially. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, but that's the thing I think for me as well, but more so for you, you've been on the journey longer, but, you know, I've followed, I, I like to try and follow the science, the mind-body science that's coming out, and you just, when you hear it, you go, yes, that's what that's what I experience. Yeah. That makes sense, that's that experience and it's not um i think it can you know easily with the science obviously can become more theoretical again but the tools to actually experience those um are much more far and uh, you know there's many more tools out there that you offer um to help experience those deeper qualities of more potential, I think, of, of ourselves as humans that haven't necessarily been co cultivated so much in the West. They've mm -hmm. been cultivated, I think, more in the East. Yeah. Maybe ancient West, the Celtics and stuff. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the inner child. Anything you want to say about mm -hmm. that part of the work? Um, yeah, I think the inner... Uh, I mean, I've done quite a lot of work on the inner child, not necessarily intentionally, but often the inner child is um, what's asking for some healing or attention when we go in and, and look at what, what challenge I might be facing. Um, and I, I guess one of the things I'll say is brings us back to the importance of developing the heart again because the inner child, usually the wounds that, <laughs> that are sitting there with her is someone not seeing her for who she was, someone not meeting her needs for what they were, having enough compassion and unconditional love and presence in the heart for her to be able to have um, integrated, I guess, experiences that may have happened along the way. And so the adult may then can bring that, that compassion and that space for 
my inner child to integrate those earlier experiences so that she can feel more happy and content. And, um, you know, from some of our sessions, I've still got my beautiful little garden that I've created for her that she plays around in now <laughs> with her pussycats and <laughs> all the things that <laughs> all the things that she loves, flowers, fringes and things. Um, so, yeah, I think, I guess with the inner child work, um, like all the work that I, I have done with you and the way I, I love the way you work is that, it arises when it's read when it needs to arise. There's no digging in there for the wounds of the inner child. So whenever those things have arisen, I've really felt that it was authentic and it was um, ready to be addressed. Not so much, uh, oh, I'm going to do some inner child work now. So, um, and I think I have, you know, early days I did do some work with, you know, other people and sometimes I just felt that we were looking for things that weren't there or the mind was getting in the way and creating things that weren't necessarily there. So I think um, I think the inner child work is really beautiful but it's also really sensitive and I think it needs to really be held in a very safe space um, and when the time is right for it. And my experience is from watching this for a long time that when something really difficult arises, a very painful memory or even something traumatic, we are ready for it. We usually don't feel ready for it, but I can mm. honestly say it, we are ready when it surfaces. Mm. And so the more work you do when something very hidden resurfaces I always mm. say really value it meet it work with it don't push it back down again yeah so one of the hardest places of doing the work is what we call holes or inner deficiencies talk a little bit about that maybe way um, how you experience a deficiency or a hole because that's still for most people quite a strange concept we have holes inside yeah mm. um yeah so i i think yeah coming back to probably one of the first times like my first memory of experiencing it um from my experience of of the first you know first time i came across that sense of a black hole or sense of a nothingness in in an experience was quite terrifying and um, definitely something that if I was just doing this work on my own without you as my teacher, without a guide, I would have just totally avoided it, just gone into denial of it, maybe made a story up around it, avoided it. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but um, you know, having, again, develop that that or trust in you and, and the work, having you to guide me and explain, give the mind a map about it and understand what it was. And then the deep, like being able to sort of sit or you sitting in that state of unconditional love and compassion and, and patience for however long it took to, to start to feel brave enough even to, to turn around and face that experience of, blackness or nothingness in me um, was what then really let me explore it. And, um, again, the more you resist something, something, the more it persists. So being able to face it and experience it, like we were talking about before with feelings and the experience of being scared of that experience is the the feeling that usually I needed to feel, which was terror, fear. So my mind, I think, at first would project, oh, that's scary, I don't want to go there, but it was actually the, the fear that needed to be felt. So in, you know, I guess the image that's coming to mind is sort of like a feeling of you holding my hand, 
the walk a little bit closer. You explain, you explain a little bit about it. We, I test the waters and feel it a little bit. And when I feel ready, you're like, okay, off you, off you pop and feel it. Um, and through the other side of those black holes is always the most exquisite piece. And, you know, it's just the image of as if I was, and this image would have terrified me at first, but now I love it. But in, in the experience of floating out in, in deep, dark space, the silence, the peacefulness, the universal consciousness, like the deep state of meditation that we often look for, um, or is spoken about in many texts or spiritual tradition, that's usually what is on the other side of those, or that's what's on the other side of those black holes. Thanks for sharing that because this is one of the most terrifying places for most people. You know, they we are trained to avoid it and run away from it and have strategies to make it better. And it needs mm. quite a bit of work to get ready to actually what I call conquer holds. And mm. once you've done it and what you're describing is beautiful, that in the core of this terror or this horrible black mm. emptiness, you find tremendous peace and stillness and expansion. Mm. And mm. that is the truth. Mm. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah, and now it's sort of, you know, I think, came across another one recently unexpectedly in a session and um, the more you kind of the more I the more I face it the more the mind goes oh okay it's okay it's it's that again but I might experience it as um, I think with the last experience of stuff coming up was again yeah fear and terror which I was experiencing in circumstances in my life and again the not allowing myself to feel the fear and the terror was um, creating a stuckness in and confusion in my mind and I couldn't get clarity and just the simplicity of realising, oh, it's, it's one of these black holes again and it's okay, go through it and that's where that peace and deep peace of mind uh, became my experience again. And that's where we need the mind to be cooperating, be a witness, be the scientist and make a map that these holes mm -hmm. are not horrible places where nothing good is to yeah. be found, but you actually can navigate them and find an amazing gift. And once the mind has watched that a few times, it goes, okay, let's do it again. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Kylie, let's talk a bit mm -hmm. about listening to inner guidance. What does that mean specifically mm -hmm. to you? How do you listen to inner guidance? I think for me, it's, um, you know, predominantly the, the way I picture it is feeling into my heart, the, the natural qualities of the heart. So, um, and feeling a warmth there and a good feeling there and um, from, from that place listening to what my heart feels happy with. So what makes my heart happy and still practising Practicing the compass of joy <laughs> that you talk about, and also just practicing. Um, yeah, I, I think again, the mind needs to get a little bit more on board with, in my experience of that inner guidance, that I can I can feel yes that my heart that's joyful, that's warm, that's expansive, that tells me that that's my guidance system saying yes. Um, but my mind still likes to please other people sometimes, so I can still default. <laughs> I can still default to thinking what someone else needs. So I've got a lot, lot better at that. But yeah, that that's my experience of the inner guidance system. What um, what there's like a a deep yes that's 
that's coming from the heart. And like what you're saying there, it often is against our conditioning where we have to please or endure or it's not about joy. And the heart's Mm. guidance, this compass of joy is really following your own joy, which shows you Mm. your true purpose and your true life path. So that's good you mentioned that. Now, I want to hear a bit from you. Your own, you started mm-hmm. already sharing about some part, but your experience of true nature or the state of being whole. You mentioned peace before, you mentioned a few mm-hmm. qualities of the heart. Just expand a little bit more on that. How do you experience um, true nature? So, true nature is many different flavors. Um, and I think when I first started on the spiritual path, I thought that enlightenment was just forever feeling peaceful. Um, And I think I have said to you before, like, damn it, I thought thought that's what the journey was about. But it's it's good. It's more than that. But it's also sometimes like, damn it, I just feel peaceful all the time. Um, That doesn't. Yeah, so, yeah, the true nature is peace, but there's also many different colours and flavours to that true nature, just like we see, I guess, in in the outer nature. We see, like, there's beautiful experiences of of love, of abundance, of, like, a blossoming or blooming. Um, There's experiences of... Yes, I guess my main ones that I experience a lot is deep peace, which has kind of got that black flavour to it. Um, And then unconditional love, which has that sort of more pink, soft, gentle expansion flavour to it, um, which in yoga we obviously equate as well to the heart chakra. Um, And... Then there's joy, which has got more of a kind of yellow, bright, vibrant, expansive flavour to it. Um, and then the pearl essence, which I, which I love, which is a feeling of, um, uh, how do I describe that? It's like a nourished, nourishing um, feeling of being very much at home with myself. Um, and yeah, so there's different flavors to the to true nature, but all of them uh, feel good. All of them feel relaxing. All of them feel a sense of contentment and ease and harmony. Harmony, I think, is the big the big word for me. There's a harmony to it. There's like a natural energy and if I picture it in terms of energy waves, it's the harmonious kind of sine waves. Um, and Let me, yeah, yeah, let me I, come in I, there I, for a moment yeah. because I yeah, want to sure, like, yeah. that is so important what you mm. just said. There is, again, that's the inner scientist, there's a law mm. that any quality mm. of true nature is harmonious. So what you're describing Mm -hmm. there is an essential truth of all these Mm -hmm. true nature qualities. They're all harmonious, whether it's peace or love or joy or freedom or abundance. And Mm -hmm. that is one of the ways to recognize, am I in contact with true nature? If it's harmonious and relaxing or relaxed, it's true nature. If there's a tension in it or something chaotic, it's often more a copied quality from the mind. Mm, yeah, which, which you know, again, that's one of the beautiful research from the heart math, isn't it? That um, thing, what do they call it? Um, heart coherence. When we're in those states, then the heart actually does produce more coherent signals as well. So, yeah. Yeah, so I guess, and I and I know that there's more flavours in there for me to discover and and explore. And one of the things I remember a, a conversation we had was um, 
that you know you were pointing out to me that that different spiritual traditions might focus on different qualities of essential nature so some might really focus on cultivating the the emptiness the the the, the deep peace some might focus more on cultivating the unconditional love like yeah. bhakti yoga for yeah. example um or even the harmony of the opposites, the masculine, the feminine, the tantra, for example. Mm. So, well, that's how I see it. So that also for me was, um, you know, just really beautiful to realise, but also made me think that the work, the, the, the way you work as that, with that inner scientist of really discovering what is there in the moment allows for a discovery of of the multi-dimensional beings that we are the multi-dimensional uh, aspects of true nature and what you just said that, that i agree we keep discovering i keep saying you know i want to keep discovering more till i die Mm. It never stops, like true nature never stops surprising me or deepening or mm. showing another aspect or the same one in mm. more depth or something. So it's just beautiful. Mm. So now I am calling mm. the podcast and the book Becoming Whole. What does mm -hmm. that word term becoming whole mean to you at this moment in time? Um, becoming whole. It means a few different things, I think, but it means to me embodying a sense of wholeness. So, you know, again, it's it's what the word yoga means, union, oneness, wholeness. So for me it's embodying, embodying a sense of wholeness mm -hmm. that is our natural kind of state. Um, and it also means in a sense, reclaiming parts of myself that I haven't embodied um, from conditioning of the mind. So, um, yeah, I guess it's, that, it's sort of the two things, like continuing to embody more and more of my true nature and living, living my life from that and also becoming more aware of the wholeness that I am or that we are embodying the wholeness that, that is. That point is so important because the becoming whole part is the preparation to really rest in or experience the being whole part, which is true nature more and more. And I believe mm -hmm. without those steps, if the mind doesn't become a companion if the heart doesn't open if we're not in the body if we don't learn to feel you will not experience wholeness for mm -hmm. a longer period of time you might have little spontaneous glimpses in a lucky moment but all those steps the becoming whole steps are needed to eventually rest longer and more often in being whole mm -hmm. yeah okay so Absolutely. we're coming towards mm -hmm. the end is there anything mm -hmm. else you would like to share? Something that's important that we haven't touched on? Um, yeah, I think one thing I, I want to, to sort of also just talk about was was the the alchemy that I think is very real in the inner world, and that that transformation is magical. And I. Um, When I was younger, I used to always say to my mum, when are you going to teach me my magical powers? It's <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. I don't remember hearing yeah. that from you before. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, and when I, um, and then oh, when I turned 18, I was like, okay, I'm 18 now. Teach me. <laughs> teach me my magical powers. And she used to just laugh at me. But, but then when I, the thing is that when I started doing the work with you, I felt like that, that, the inner work and that alchemy was what I was talking about. 
I love that you Learned brought that in. An alchemist. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. already, I mean, yeah. I call it now the art of inner transformation to be a bit more down to earth and mainstream. Yeah. But it was originally called in my first mm. training Inner Alchemy. And that's still mm. my website name. And it is alchemy. Yeah. But most people are mm. still not very familiar with it. It's the same yeah. as true transformation. So thanks for mentioning yeah. that. So, Kylie. What is one tool or resource resource you would like to take, we would like our listeners to take away from today? I, I just think cultivate the heart. Cultivate the heart. I just think it's um, paramount for living your own life, but also if you are a therapist as well, I think cultivating the heart and the ability to stay present in the heart Whatever healing modality that you might use is the key to that alchemy and um, also the key to, to safe safety for clients as well. There's a lot of talk now about trauma-sensitive, this and that, trauma-aware, and I think the heart is the key, um, embodying compassion, embodying unconditional love, presence, patience, and, you know, like for me, I might be busy, busy, busy doing stuff with the kids or stressful business stuff or something. But then as soon as I get in front of a client, I find it really quite easy to drop into, or my intention is to drop into that heart space and, and do whatever I'm doing from there. And I just think it's, it's, um, it's the key. How can someone that hasn't done a lot of work on the heart yet start? What's the simplest tip you would give them? I think the simplest tip is just being kind to others. Beautiful. Being kind to yourself, but it might be easier to start with being kind to others. Well, for me, other people might find it easy to be kind to themselves. I love I think that. kindness. Yeah, mm. beautiful. Thank you, Kylie. That was very rich and covered a lot of ground. And thank you for your time. And My I see absolute you pleasure. Yeah, thank Bye. you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Whole podcast. My passion is to make this world a better place. And that starts with each one of us feeling and being well. If this podcast has helped you, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Leaving a review also helps others find the podcast. My new book, Becoming Whole, The Art of Inner Transformation, is available on Booktopia and Amazon. For more information, check out my website, innealchemy.com.au or find me on Facebook. <laughs>